Josh, get up here. Jason, you want to come up here, bud? Let's have the kids come up to the front few rows. No, you can stay. You want to sit up here, bud? Come on, Tori. Who else? Annika's making her way up. Joe, once you're done with all the donuts, bud, come on up here, please. Cyrus, come on up. So we have a kid's message today for everyone. Well, kind of. I don't know. We'll see. Will you pray with me? God, thanks. Thanks for your presence. Thanks for your intimacy. Thanks for your concern. Thank you that you notice. Thank you that you draw near. And you draw near to draw us near to you. We have a lot of questions. We have a lot of things that we um, wonder about, things that we care about, and we wonder if you care about them. And as we've been talking about in the Old Testament, we have a lot of things that we look at and we think, wow, I don't really know how that lines up with what I see in Jesus. So would you speak to us this morning? Would you show us your goodness? Would you show us your heart? Different ways of looking at you? Yeah, draw us near to you this morning. Envelop us in your presence. That we would understand you more. So that we can love you more. For your kingdom's sake, we pray. Amen. Amen. So I don't know how you feel about that title up there. I put a question mark on there to soften it. But... uh, Over the last, well, so last week we started a little conversation about some of those really fun, a little bit of sarcasm there, but some of those interesting stories in the Old Testament where you read those and you're thinking, wow, well, so Jesus, you know, came and he talked about love and nonviolence and all these things, but maybe Jesus didn't really know what his father was like. Did Jesus ever read the Hebrew scriptures? You kind of wonder, because you have this God in the Hebrew scriptures that annihilates almost the whole human race and you have Jesus who comes to die for the whole human race and you have this God who demands sacrifice and you have Jesus who becomes sacrifice. And it's, it kind of puts you in a place of conflict sometimes if you really let yourself think about it. And it's not to say that there aren't moments of beauty and truth and love and mercy and kindness in the Hebrew scriptures, but they kind of get overshadowed by some of the things that we don't know what to do with. And it just makes us wonder, well, what is that all about? I thought God was love. And so we have to say things like, well, God is love and God is holy. But then we end up kind of making a split in God's nature, saying, well, yeah, well, God's, God's love when God's not being holy. And then we're like, well, wait a minute. I don't want to go down that line because I'm going to back myself in a corner if I don't just say God is pure love. And, yeah, it gets really complicated. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more. And for... The few of you that weren't here last week, in a nutshell, this was the message. The message was that the way we need to understand the Hebrew scriptures is in light of who Jesus was and what he did and what he said. That Jesus is the interpretive key and the lens through which we need to understand the whole Hebrew scriptures. Jesus said things like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said things like, I only do what I see the Father doing. 
Colossians, Paul says that he is the image of the invisible God. So if we want to know what God looks like, we have to look at Jesus. If you want some more more of the nuance of that message, then the recording should be up sometime in the next month or two. But we'll get that up there. But we're going to look at these things that we can maybe call skeletons in the divine closet. Like, God, what, what's going on there? What's up with that? I told you a story and where we're going to pick up. Let me get this working, see if it will work. I told you a story, uh, a little bit to my embarrassment, about a time when I was in Denver, Colorado. I was at the, the Youth with a Mission campus we were working at. And I was outside on the corner of the street, and somebody looked out the window from the second-story office building just in time to see me take my then two-year-old, <laughs> to see me take my then two-year-old Joshua up in my arms and just whack, just lay a good one right on his backside. <laughs> He's already agreed to to be my human prop this morning. He doesn't know what he's gotten himself into, but no, no spankings for you, bud. Um, How many times do you think we've spanked you in your life? I don't remember. (laughs) We're not a spanking family, and we're not not trying to make a stance for or against spanking, but that was an anomaly in our experience. But the point I was making in the story was, if you just looked out the window just in time to see me lift up my, my boy, and if he was this age, he'd be like, that's just weird. But if you were to see me lift up Joshua as a two-year-old and just thwack, and that's all you saw, you would probably, something would rise up inside of you and say, what's, what's that all about, right? And maybe even some anger inside of you if that's all you saw happen. But if you were able to see that about a minute before that, Joshua, in his two-year-old mind, thought it was a good idea to run out into the street, and there was a car coming, and you heard me yelling to him, and he wasn't listening. I'm saying, stop, come back, come back, and he doesn't stop, and finally I go out, and I grab him, and I bring him back, and just my primal instinct to just let him know, that's not okay, you listen to daddy when your life's on the line, I, right? And those of you that were here, you indicated you would probably soften your judgment towards me. You, you would at least have a little bit of grace, like, okay, now maybe I would have handled differently, but I could at least see why he did that. Can we at least agree on that? Okay. So, wife, can you come up here for a minute? <laughs> so what you guys are telling me is that it was semi-okay, or at least justifiable, for me to lay one on Joshua's backside when he runs out in the street and puts himself in danger. So, imagine... <laughs> Just imagine, Nathan's like, what are you going to do to my mama? Imagine, so you guys know that Sarah's kidneys are working their their way back to health, right? Part of that process, part of that process is that she needs to avoid beef and pork. I told you this. She needs to avoid beef and pork. So imagine that Sarah and I, we go home for lunch, or we're here having like a Coastlands lunch, like imagine those get resuscitated, and and we're having Coastlands lunch, and somebody brings tri-tip. And Sarah just can't avoid the gravitational pull of this tri-tip. And so I see her taking this huge bite of tri-tip. And I come over to her, and I see that. And we've had this conversation before. Like, you know tri-tip's not good for you. And I just, I look, and I knock the fork out of her hand, and I thwack, just lay a mean crack on her backside. 
what would you guys be thinking? <laughs> You'd be thinking, you better run, dude. <laughs> How many of you would justify that? How many of you would be like, well, she's doing something that's not good for her? Right? Well, you wouldn't be thinking that, would you? So what would you expect me to do instead? If she's doing something that isn't good for her, <laughs> how gnarly is that little face? <laughs> what, what would you be expecting me to do instead if Sarah's doing something that's not good for her? To have conversation with her. Oh, okay, so, so like reason with her, you're saying. What's that? In private, <laughs> yeah. Tora's like, please, keep that domestic violence out of our... Yeah, so reason, reason with her in private. Okay. I, oh, you guys are giving me good parenting lessons right now. So what you're saying is when Joshua was two years old, and he's like a little older than Nathan, and he's running out in front of the street, what I should have done is from the side of the street, or even in private, just kind of waited for a good opportunity and said, hey, bud, please don't run out in front of that car because the laws of physics dictate that that car, it's a lot heavier than you, it's going faster than you, and once it hits you, it's going to be really painful, and you could die, and funerals are expensive, and we have somebody here that's a director. We could go into all these philosophical reasonings, right, about why running out in front of a car is not healthy for him. So is that what I should have done? And you don't understand how expensive counseling is and trauma, like for a parent to lose a child is, is a horrible thing. Please don't run out... So by the time I got the first sentence out of my mouth, what would have happened? <laughs> right? There goes my kid. So wait a minute. <laughs> why is it okay? Why should I reason with Sarah? But you're saying it would be kind of fruitless for me to reason with Josh. Why? There's something unreasonable <laughs> about two-year-olds. <laughs> Somebody tweet that. What's that? So I had to do something forceful. So what if I ran out and I grabbed him and I brought him back and I just said to him gently, buddy, don't do that because blah, blah, blah. And then I went into all the arguments about physics and philosophy and counseling and, and stuff like that and trauma and death. How would that have gone over? He would, he would be looking at me how? <laughs> Yeah, he, he would just, yeah, by the time I get the few words out of my mouth, right, he's out in the street again. So wait a minute, are you guys calling Josh stupid? <laughs> but listen to them. Hey, don't, don't be offended. Are you, are you calling him stupid? Are you stupid? He's not a stupid boy, so, so what is the difference then? Why, why can I... Reason with Sarah, not reason with Josh. I don't think Josh is stupid. Maturity and what? Oh, okay. All right. So I see where you're going, Pamela. So what if, what if Sarah was actually my daughter? So is it okay then if she's my daughter to knock the fork out of her hand and smack her on the backside? So yes, there's a relationship component, but you're saying that it has to do with maturity. It has to do with development. Is that what you're saying? Hmm. So what you're telling me is there's a process that human beings as individuals go through. So can Josh, as a two-year-old, or Nathan right now, can he understand the same things that Sarah can understand as a 35-year-old? 35, right? <laughs> can Nathan understand the same things that Sarah can understand? But you're not saying that Nathan is stupid. 
So it's a maturity issue, it's an experience issue, and it's an understanding issue. So you're saying that I have to relate to Nathan differently than I relate to Sarah based on that maturity understanding. Ah, I see what you guys are saying. This is actually really good parenting advice you're giving me. And relationship advice. I'm gonna, baby, I'm sorry for all the times I spanked you. <laughs> Ultimately, don't I want my kids to grow up? Like, let's say that this is a spectrum of development, of maturity. Let's say that we all start here, which is perfect. But you're going the wrong way, bud. Nathan, this way. <laughs> let's say that we all kind of start here, but I want Nathan to end up over here. Isn't that kind of the process? I mean, it's not always linear, right? Sometimes we kind of take steps forward and then take steps back. But ultimately, I know that the place of understanding and maturity and character and integrity is here. But hey, Josh, will you go stand with your baby over there? Wife, will you come over this way? Because you're kind of more on this side of the spectrum. You can leave your baby there. He'll be fine. <laughs> Unless he pulls a speaker down on top of his head. So Sarah's over here. In terms of maturity, I'm about here. <laughs> well, I'm maybe more over here. Nathan and, and Josh is about here. So I ultimately want them to come over here. So how can I do that? Can I just stand over here with Sarah and yell to them and be like, hey, guys, get over here. Come here. Can they just kind of on their own make their way here? He's trying. But in terms of experience and understanding, can they do that? <laughs> they can't just kind of magically come over this way, can they? Stay there. So it's kind of fruitless for me to yell at Josh, to yell at Nathan from a distance and say, get over here, get over here. So I have another option, right? I can come over here and... I can just stay kind of in baby talk mode, or I can just stay on nine-year-old level, and we could just hang out here for the rest of our relationship, couldn't we? I could just kind of talk like to Josh like a nine-year-old. But is that going to get him further down the line of development and maturity, responsibility? No. <laughs> I know you guys aren't distracted at all by Nathan. So what if I did this? What if I came to where Josh is? You're saying it's not good for me to yell at him from there. It's not good for me to talk to him and stay here with him. So what if I came and I got him and I just picked him up and just carried him across the maturity spectrum? What if I just brought him all the way over here? How would that be for him? Could it actually be more damaging to bring Josh from there as the same Josh and plop him into this place in terms of demand and expectation and things like that? Could be more dangerous, right? <laughs> I love having my family up here with me. So, let me ask you something. How does this relate to the Old Testament? Here's a question. You're saying that this is a process that human beings as individuals need to undergo, a process of development, of maturing, correct? Is it possible that that same process applies to humanity as an entire species and to cultures and to groups. You think that's reasonable? Whose purse are you getting into? See, he's... <laughs> but you are so underdeveloped. 
<laughs> oh, he's actually, he's like going to pass the buck on to Cyrus. He's like, hey, why don't you do the stealing for me? <laughs> so what you're saying is that humans as individuals go through a process of maturity, and I'm asking out loud, is it possible that humans as a species have had to undergo the same thing? Could that maybe, if that is true, could that give us some insight into what's going on in the Hebrew Scriptures? I mean, so, so think about this for a minute. I've been pastoring here for about six months or so. Let's say that I thought it was a good idea, or let, imagine, let's imagine a school scenario would be better. So imagine it's your first day of a new day at school, or a new, a new grade at school. And your teacher comes in, and your teacher starts to lay down the classroom guidelines. So Dora or Carrie or other teachers, have you ever had to do that? You kind of, Janie, you lay down some classroom guidelines, right? How many of you include things in your guidelines like, hey, I'm your teacher, respect me. That's a reasonable guideline, right? Or things like, hey, we don't steal, we don't take other people's belongings, right? That's a fair guideline. But how many of you, Dora, have you ever told the class like, hey, please do not kill each other. It is, it is not okay in this classroom for you to take one another's life. Have you had to say that to a group? <laughs> oh my, she really said that. <laughs> Just kidding. I grew up in Madeira. I, I, there was a point I needed to hear that. But, so, or if I'm standing here as a pastor, I'm like, hey guys, this is how Coastlands works. We don't kill each other here. What would you think I think of you? What does that say about your level of development and, and maturity, morally? What does that say? It says that I don't have very high esteem or understanding of kind of where you're at. Would you agree? Wouldn't you feel a little condescended? I'm like, guys, please don't kill each other. Come on, seriously. But didn't God have to say certain things like that to a certain group of people? <laughs> right? So maybe it's because God isn't as good of a leader as I am, or Dora is, or Carrie is. Or is it possible that God had to say those things because those people actually needed to hear them? And doesn't, isn't that interesting in terms of how we understand where they were at in terms of development and the process? So what you're telling me is if Josh is here and I want him over here, and maybe this is the way God has related to humanity. I can't just yell from a distance and say, hey, get over here. I have to go meet him where he's at, but I don't want to just come and stay where he's at, and I don't want to just pick him up and carry him, because that actually violates something in him, doesn't it? It violates the very process of growing up. But I don't just sit here and talk goo-goo-ga-ga with him. So what do I have to do? I come and I meet him where he's at, and then when he's ready, I take one step forward and invite him along. And then we connect on this level. And then I take another step forward once he's ready and I invite him along. And what is happening through that process? Transformation, maturity, growth, development. And then I, I invite him further along and further along. And is the point of this so that I can fix him and just get him to the end result? You know what I think? I think the point is we walk together so that there's relationship 
And through that relationship, he finds healing and he gets fixed and becomes whole. See, I think sometimes as Christians, we, we get this idea that God just wants to fix us because we want to fix ourselves. We're so sick of these sins that grab onto us, these things that hold us back. And we're like, God, just take this away from me. And God says, you know, I want to know you more than I want to fix you. What happened? God says, I want to know you more than I want to fix you. And in the knowing, you will find yourself being healed. But we just want God to come and wave the magic wand, right? We want God to just come and throw me over there. And God's like, no, I want to walk with you. Is it possible that that has happened and what God has been up to with all of humanity from the very beginning? Starting with Adam and Eve and then with Abraham, with Israel and with all these different people. Sometimes we look at the Bible as if all Scripture is created equal. We kind of have this line. It's like, well, all Scripture is equally accurate and true, but is that how Jesus viewed Scripture? Will you come back over here, Josh? Let's look at, let me bring this guy over. I'm not sure if I'm doing this the right way. So look at this. Here's an example. There's lots of different examples we could give, but Let's just use this one as an example. Look at this passage. This is from Leviticus 24, 19 and 20. If anyone injures his neighbor, as he has done, it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whatever injury he has given a person shall be given to him. Now, if we let our boys operate on that kind of wavelength and and that framework, what would happen to Josh and Zach? It would be bad news. They, they wouldn't have any teeth. They wouldn't have any eyes. Every body part would be broken. It would be bad news. But we look at this, and how many of you look at that and we're like, man, that's kind of barbaric. Like, if, if we're honest, we're like, that's kind of primitive. Like, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth? We, we don't operate that way today, do we? Because we've heard things like this. We heard Jesus say, you've heard that it was said. Jesus says, you've heard this, but I tell you. And he comes and says, don't resist the one who's evil. Remember, we talked about this, and we had some fun with this passage. But he says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. Give to one who begs. And don't refuse the one who would borrow from you. And we're like, that's progressive. That's, that's where it should be. That's how it should be. And we look back at this. We look back at this and say, oh, that must, that's so primitive. I'm glad society doesn't work that way. But what we don't realize is that even this was actually progressive for where they were at the time. God had to tell them this because in the time, retaliation would be, you take my tooth out, I'm going to take your life. There were no boundaries on retaliation. Something small would be done, and then the retaliation would just escalate and escalate. There was no parameters around it. But if God would have just come and said, hey, if someone knocks your tooth out, give them your second tooth as well, they wouldn't understand that because that would be speaking to them from here. And so God comes and says, hey, 
I'll meet you in this, but let me show you what it looks like to move a step forward. He says, no more of this uncontrolled retaliation. We're going to just keep it to whatever someone does to you, you can do back to them no more than that. God wasn't giving them permission to take teeth and take eyes and break bones. God was putting limits on what they insisted on doing. You see the difference there? That's not news to you, right? And so finally, down the line, Jesus comes around and says, hey, all that back there, sure, that was fine. That's what you needed in the moment. But now I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. Turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. He says, you're ready for this now. We're coming further along. He says, this was the reality, but I'm drawing you closer to where I want you. But we're doing it a step at a time. There are lots more examples. I encourage you to read through Matthew chapter 5, basically from verse 17 all the way to the end. The very beginning of that, Matthew 5, 17, Jesus says, says, I have not come to abolish the law, speaking about these things, he says, but to fulfill it. And we read that in a certain way. We often think that what he means is, I have come to actually live that out perfectly in the sense of fulfilling it that way, right? I have come to live the law out perfectly and so fulfill it. Yes, I think that's true. But there's another way of understanding the word fulfill, isn't there? If you fulfill your commitment, do you stay in your commitment? If you've fulfilled your commitment, what have you done to it? You've brought it to completion. You've brought it to its intended trajectory and point. Jesus is saying, yes, I've come to live this out perfectly, but he also says, I've also come to bring it to its intended destination. Thanks for hanging out up here with me. Read Matthew 5 and check out those passages. Because what I think is going on is that God says, look it, this is the reality that we're forced to deal with. My ideals are over there. This is what I would like things to look like but I love you too much just to yell at you from a distance. And I can't just wave a magic wand, so I'm going to come and I'm going to meet you. And there are going to be some things that happen that aren't my ideal. Has it ever occurred to you that God might actually compromise God's standards temporarily for the sake of relationship with us? Has it occur- is it possible that God would actually give a concession and compromise temporarily God's ideals for the sake of relationship with us and for the sake of our growth and development. Another example that I'm looking forward to talking about soon is the sacrificial system. There's lots of different examples of this. I love your smile, dude. Did you lose another tooth? Yeah? (laughs) Uh Oh, did you take a tooth from somebody? Even Jason doesn't go by eye for an eye, tooth for tooth anymore. How old are you, bud? You're six. See, look at that. Six-year-old. He doesn't go by eye for an eye, tooth for tooth anymore. You turn the other cheek, right? Right? Let me ask you guys, what examples of this? So, are you, am I communicating this clearly? Are you tracking with me? Is, how many of you this is like, duh, I've always known that. Do you see what I'm trying to present? Can you think of some examples of... God's saying, hey, look it, I'm going to meet you here and I'm going to slowly draw you forward. Laura, what, what are you thinking? 
Ah. Polygamy versus monogamy. How many of you men have more than one wife at the moment? How many of you are just scared to admit it right now? <laughs> Come on. Hey, we're a vulnerable community. You can tell us. It's okay. You can tell us. Polygamy versus monogamy. That's a great example of God saying, hey, look it. This is what you insist on doing. Making Saul king. Did God want Saul to be the Israelites' king? What did God say about that? I'm only doing this because you insist. But ultimately, I wanted to be your king because I'm really the good one here. Right? God says, I'll meet you in this desire because you insist, but I'm going to insist on pulling you forward. Yeah, what else? Mark. So this is in the Bible somewhere. Good. Thank you for telling me. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have that one in mind necessarily, so. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, because I do kind of feel like I'm, no, I don't know. I think this is founded, but it's just a theory. This is just the trajectory I see in Scripture. Yeah, Torah, what example do you see? Oh, man. <laughs> well, real quick, Chris, hold on. On the Adam and Eve note, how many of you guys think Adam and Eve were perfect? How many of you think, oh, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, no, don't answer me, because you know I'm trying to back you in a corner out of love. But we often have this understanding, well, well Adam and Eve were perfect, if they were so perfect, then why, as soon as they were faced with temptation, did they give in to it? The Bible never says Adam and Eve were perfect. It says they were good. Now, they were perfect in the sense that they had not yet sinned. But at the same time, they were imperfect in the sense that their character was not perfect. They gave in to temptation. And yet God meets them in that, right? And God walks forward with them because relationship is more important than just zapping them and fixing them and putting them up on the mantle. You should have seen Zach. What did, what did Zachary say last night? I was like, we have this idea sometimes because we just want God to come and clean us up and just have us fixed already. But God doesn't want to just come and just like a fish that God caught and just kind of clean us up and then, yeah, just hang us up somewhere and put us on the mantle. And Zach's like, that'd be so boring. He's like just standing there like, He's like, he, Zach knows that God wants more than that. What were you going to say? <laughs> yeah, he got so bored he just laid down on the couch. But, because God doesn't want to just come and just fix us up, clean us up, sanitize us, and then throw us up on the mantle. God would rather walk with us in our mess than just zap, get you over there. But how often do we really settle into that process? How many of you would rather have it the other way? We'd rather just like, God, just, just get this done already. <laughs> I'm sick of the messes I make. And God's like, hey, I'm fine with it. I'm still here. I got gotcha. you. I'll actually take the messes you make and I'll bring so much beauty out of them, you have no idea. Remember, did, did you put that on Facebook, the picture that Zach painted on the, uh, well, I guess it's not a picture, the thing that Zach painted on the, our living room? So Zach takes our blue paint that we used in our kitchen and he wanted to join the party kids do not try this at home. Your parents will, however they want to respond. <laughs> I 
I'll leave it open to your parents, but don't, don't do this. But Zach wanted to participate in the painting party. So he takes our blue paint and moves all the way to the other side of the house by the living room and paints this thing that kind of came out tree-like. And Sarah was super excited when she saw that because we did not have the cover-up paint. We didn't have the same color paint to cover that up. So we had a choice there, right? And through processing with Betty, I think it was Betty Fry's idea, but I love this. So Sarah goes, and instead of basically just doing whatever she wanted to do to Zach, she takes the tree and she paints a heart over it. And then she took a picture of the tree with the heart over it, and we're going to frame the picture of the tree with the heart and paint it over the other one. I think there's something beautiful there. Because God will take our messes. Sometimes we make messes with good intentions, don't we? We just don't know any better. And God says, I see that. And so God comes and takes the messes that we make and makes something beautiful out of them and says, look at how we can redeem this. But that happens through relationship, doesn't it? <laughs> You're a very patient boy. I'm sorry that I spanked you that one time. You did deserve it, though. One more person, just where, who, who else sees this? Are we talking crazy talk? What's another example of this? That, yeah, Joseph. It's a complicated thing, isn't it? Mike Fry, Jr. Yeah, right. They totally threw out, for lack of a better word, all these other things. There's like 680-something or 632 different statutes and, and laws in the Pentateuch, right? There's something crazy like that. And they see all of that, and they don't say this is horrible, this was stupid, this was primitive. They just say, hey, this is where we're going to go from here. And they land on just a couple things. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Now, are we saying that the Israelites back here were primitive, stupid, and incompetent? No, it's the same way that we're not saying, well, Nathan is not a dummy just because he doesn't get certain things. There's just a process that God takes us through, and God is so beautifully patient through the process. So maybe, just maybe, some of these things like God's commands to kill the Amalekites or commands to kill the Midianites, is it possible that that was not said by God because that was God's ideal or original intention, but rather that was the best that could be allowed based on what the humans would give God to work with? Now that's going to scramble some of our brains because we have these ideas of, well, God is not limited to that. Well, it all depends on how God chooses to be God. What kind of God is God determined to be? And that's the thing that we have to sort through. Yeah, Gase, could you have your hand up? Last comment, and then we'll bring it together. Yeah, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Ezekiel 33.11, God says clearly, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God says very clearly, all this death, all this carnage, there was no delight there for me. There was no joy there for me. I wish there had been another way. And guess what? Ultimately, there will be another way through my son, but we have to go through a process to get there before you're even ready for him, it says. Galatians 4.4 says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. In other words, if Jesus would have come and landed with us here, I don't think we would have been ready for it. And he continues to draw us forward, draw us forward, until finally God no longer has to demand sacrifice. He becomes sacrifice. God no longer has to kill 
God actually allows himself to be killed. God says, I am bringing you somewhere, but the process is going to be really painful. I wish there was another way. But I'll ultimately take all this pain upon myself. I know this doesn't kind of erase or answer or, or put us at ease with all the crazy, gnarly things, all the skeletons in the divine closet, but I hope that it, you'll at least entertain it as a possibility in terms of the goodness in the heart of God and the mercy of God in the midst of all these things. There's one more factor that we're going to look at next week, and I think the three of these things together kind of really help us make sense in reconciling God's goodness with some of these passages, but... Yeah, let's, let's kind of bring it around. What, um, we always want a chance. We'll, we'll just take a few minutes. Anybody have any words or pictures or, or kind of any, any ideas of maybe some people that, that might need prayer for something along these lines? I have one idea, but yeah, Brandon, make sure that everyone in the back can hear you too. And if you don't agree with me, great, because I'm in process too. I'm about here. I'm just giving you the best I've got for now that helps me come to peace with what I've come to know God is like and what I see in scripture. But it's not watertight. It's not foolproof. It might not even be accurate. So good thing that's not my job to have all truth, right? I'm just giving you what I got. So yeah, but thank you, Brandon. That's absolutely, it always comes back to Jesus and saying he is the source and he is the anchor and the foundation of our confidence. It's knowing him. Yeah. Someone else, what, how do we yeah, words or pictures or a sense of how we come together and, and respond to this. Yeah, Gayska. Hmm. Yeah. So it gives you some peace to be okay with being in process. Yeah. yeah, didn't Jesus say, I have many things to tell you, but some of them you can't bear just yet? <laughs> He's like, wait, there's, there's more I want to do with you. Yeah. yeah, Mary, last one, and then we'll respond. Yeah. So, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us so we can pull this all together. You can sit in my spot if you want, but. And, hey, like I said, you don't have to agree with everything I'm throwing out here because next week I might not agree with myself. I don't know, but we're just working with the best we've got, right? And God sees that, and God has patience for us in the process. But God sees our hearts in the process, more importantly, and wants to know us more than God wants to fix us. And in that knowing, we get fixed, and God meets us where we're at and yet draws us forward. God isn't content for us to just continue to talk baby talk. But God says, let me draw you closer to who I ultimately want you to be. And so if you need prayer for maybe having more patience on yourself in that process, for kind of settling in and not wanting to rush ahead of God, maybe you need prayer for that. Or maybe you want to, you know, what Betty or Mike just shared or someone else that shared, go ahead and get pray, prayer with someone, from someone, with someone. But let's respond to this. So, yeah, well, Father... Thanks that there are a lot of different ways you could have done it. You probably could have used a magic wand and just, just cleaned us up and put us on your mantle. Or maybe you could have just left us where we were at in our infancy and in our immaturity, but you say, no, I want to be with you. I want to walk with you. I want to know you. I want to draw you close and walk you with me. So would you help us to be okay with that? Would you help us to settle into that process? Would you help us to be open to the possibility that maybe some things we see in Scripture weren't what you wanted to have happen. They were simply what did happen. And help us to rest assured that even when we don't have answers, we know that ultimately you are good. You are for us. You are with us, but you're also ahead of us.
Help us not to dig our heels in. Help us not to run ahead of you, but help us to embrace our embrace in you and walk forward step by step with you. Help us to have the patience you have with us when we get up and we stumble and we fall, knowing that you delight in our attempts, yet you also have more in store for us. I think that's kind of the picture that I have for us right now. I think it was George MacDonald that, that made that statement that which, what father as his young son or daughter gets up and takes a couple steps and then stumbles is going to be solely disappointed that they can't take more steps or run freely, but at the same time, which father is going to be content to let them just hobble and wobble the rest of their lives? God rejoices in every step forward we take and yet always has more for us. So, Father, help us to relax into that process and enjoy relationship with you in the midst of it. Yeah, if, you, if, if any of these things kind of strike a chord with you, if you find yourself just impatient with yourself and 